The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Two W2 Group companies, Digital Influence and RacePoint, are leaders in social media marketing in both paid and unpaid media. Today, I'll be talking about social intelligence and analytics with a real pro, Dan Neely, founder and CEO of Networked Insights. Dan has had more than 10 years of management, operational, and entrepreneurial experience with technology, manufacturing, and services companies. He is an expert in customer intelligence and has hands-on experience with the challenges companies face in gathering relevant, real-time insights about their customers. Prior to founding Network Insights in 2006, Dan co-founded Market Performance Partners, which guided companies in market ownership through customer intelligence. Prior to that, he worked for Scient as the director of strategy. Scient was the fastest-growing services company in history. It had a successful IPO, grew to over 2,000 colleagues, and launched over 40 e-businesses. Before Scient, he worked at Deloitte and on the team that launched eSurance, the first online insurance company. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Dan. Thanks for having me, Larry. It's great to be here. Tell us a bit about your current work with Networked Insights. You know, we get bombarded, uh, especially here at W2, with the, quote, future of analytics and dashboards and, and, you know, embedded research and customer seg and campaign management, et cetera, et cetera. Enlighten us on really where where the true path is through Network Insights. Sure, absolutely. If you think about it, you know, there's, a, there's now that we have the conversational web, there's uh, the, the amount of data that's being created. Um, you know, there's more data going to be created in the next two years than all data that's ever existed. And so what's happening is companies and certainly executives are trying to figure out what's valuable and what's not. And so at Networked Insights, that's our role. Our role is to make sense of this massive set of data um, and ultimately find the signal, find those pieces of insights that can help drive business. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, and then how does it cut across the rest of the business? We ultimately have access to 300 million people. They're engaging on the web um, about many different topics, and brands and companies are trying to figure out, okay, what's valuable to me and how do I make sense of it? It isn't necessarily about listening to our people talking about me. It's about, hey, what are the things that I can learn, and how do I learn about them in real time? My, if I look at the vision of what I see in the future is I'd love to see you know, uh, research on everyone's desktop, uh, a way for people to actually access this information in real time. And fundamentally, that's where Networked Insights fits in. 
And how about, just just because it's on my mind right now, how about as we moved into sort of this multi-device or cross-device world, are we going to very quickly get to a place that it doesn't matter if you're on your BlackBerry, iPad, or even your laptop at home, that, you know, the data is going to converge and integrate and help give us, you know, as marketers, one behavioral understanding of a consumer? I would argue it's already happening. I mean, if, if I look at how I communicate today, whether it be through my mobile device when I'm at my laptop at work, a laptop at home, uh, whether it be through the iPad, I, I'm able to contribute information and converse with people in the means which I uh, determine is, uh, is relevant. So I think that convergen- convergence is already taking place. I think what we have happening, though, is marketers are trying to use kind of the old world of how do I use data um, in this new world. You know, if I look back to the transactional web, right, that was driven by e-commerce. Uh, then we came to the informational web, which was driven by search and driven by, um, uh, you know, uh, paid advertising. And so now in the conversational web, people are still trying to use those old kind of uh, mechanisms. And then they're trying to break things up. They're trying to say, okay, it's three separate screens. Well, it's not. It's, it's all the screens together. It's all of it interacting together. Um, a project we're working on right now um, is something to do with the whole TV upfront space. So what we said is social data is not just valuable for social media. Social data is valuable for anything you do because it's the first time you've had a real pulse on customers, and they're going to tell you uh, what's important to them. And it could be, hey, you know what? Here's the shows as a millennial mom that I love. Here's the stars that I love. Here's the plot lines that I love. Well, that's really valuable information to a company that's about to, you know, a CPG company that's about to go and spend a ton of money um, at the t- in the, during the TV upfront process. That has nothing to do with social media, but it's giving the so, what is the social ripple effect and value of a TV show. Right. And, you know, at some point, all of that value is going to create an atmosphere that truly does fulfill the promise of social commerce, I would think, where, you know, those kinds of conversations and that kind of even entertainment that leads to the conversations is going to lead to peer-to-peer recommendation to buy something. Do you agree? I completely agree, and it's going to allow for, you know, more of the, if you think about Groupon, right, um, if yep. you think about what those guys are doing, more of that's going to happen. And I think we're going to start, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, we're going to start seeing things that look like pyramids, right, pyramid schemes again, uh, which are, you know, hey, you're connected to me, and I, I have a level of influence, so I can leverage my influence into transaction, and therefore everyone in the ecosystem becomes an affiliate. And so that's a very different type of uh, cost structure um, than what we have today. Yeah, and that's hard to figure out right now. You know, I get asked so often, you know, well, hey, Larry, you helped call sort of this social, you know, uh, media and marketing direction many years ago. What's the next big thing? And I and I say, well, it doesn't sound real big when I say it, but it's something around digital couponing and and loyalty, digital loyalty, and and but I still it's still fuzzy to me. Any thoughts on that sort of as a as a as a giant category out there? Well, I think it's, you know, the, the, the category itself, I, you know, I, I don't have a name for the category, uh, but I think the category is along the lines of it has geo, and geo is definitely a huge component of it. Um, the re- referral and reference is a huge component of it. And then I think it's the, um, it's, what, it's, it's basically, my, it's, it's micro-branding. Um, which ultimately allows me to think about, hey, you know what, um, I think about the brand of McDonald's, but if I associate McDonald's with a certain category of people, it has a different value than if I associate it with people that I don't know. And so how do we start thinking about micro-branding valuation? 
those things that, that kind of plug together. I think you know I'm I'm as fuzzy as it uh, on it as uh, as you are, but I think these are the components that I'm starting to see converge, which is also then leading back into the organization, which says you know there are different skill sets that are required in an organization to take advantage of this next category that's coming. Yeah. Hey, um, changing direction a little bit. I, I saw your post uh, a few weeks back. It was called Analytics, the Key to ROI from Social Media, where you created a chart that put marketing and PR activities along two axes, sort of reactive to proactive, I think, was the bottom axis, and tactical to strategic was the uh, the um, the other axis. Can you just talk a bit to the audience about this continuum and, and what you meant by you know, uh, you know that kind of chart and, and analytics that are critical in evaluating uh, ROI from social media. Absolutely. If you think about it, a lot of what people, a lot of what brands and certainly marketers attached to early on in social, from a data standpoint, was um, crisis management. It was all to do with. How do I think, oh, there's bad things being said about me. If we remember back to the things that happened with Dell, if we remember the things that happened with um, uh, uh, Motrin Moms, I mean, those things, they were all negative things. And ultimately, it was about measuring every single mention that had happened across the web. And fundamentally, that's great for PR because that's been their DNA, measuring every time something has been mentioned. It's where the clipping services came from. And so that has a set of value, but it's ultimately very reactive um, and not very strategic, right, because it's some, not, not something you have control over. And so the point of view is you can listen to those 25,000 mentions, and that can have a level of value to you as a business, but ultimately you're always in a reactive mode. If I look at what really the CEO cares about and the CMO cares about, you know, it's that thing which is um, – you know, it has high value to my business. So how do I figure out the 15 trends and the emerging themes? I can take advantage of that. Um, so what we're pointing out is, you know, this, the, the essential piece that people often miss is there's value to this data outside of this tactical, reactive process which has been put in place. And so what we like to see is, you know, if I can go to the upper right-hand corner, and not even to the middle of that chart where I'm starting to get strategic, I'm starting to get proactive, if I can inform through social data my campaign strategy, because now I, I now understand the language of millennial moms, or I now understand what tech geeks really care about um, from a, for a specific product that we're about to launch, that can inform my campaign strategy way before um, I start thinking about, um, you know, what, what's actually out there in the marketplace. Then let's also use that data to evaluate whether a campaign is, a, is effective or not. You know, we can measure our own brands and what people are saying about our own brands, but ultimately if I'm, let's say I'm Nestle and I have, they're saying this about me today and I want them to say something else, well, let's measure how close you get to that. It has nothing to do with Nestle as a whole, but it's the brand attributes that you associate with. Um, we could look at media spend. Right? One of the great things about social data is, and certainly as people travel across the web, is it's starting to define what I like. To, I'm starting to call the new new endemics, right? The spaces of new endemics, because the old world was, oh, they're sports fans, therefore they must be only be at sports sites. Well, that's not true, right? People at um, people at ESPN talk about depression, right? And they talk about depression um, pretty readily. People at uh, Cafe Mom talk about cars and autos, and they talk about it to a at a, at a big level. And so now we start understanding that this travel, these people as they travel across the web. Um, it, it becomes valuable. It also becomes much more difficult if you're doing it on a um, on a, an ad hoc basis. If you're doing it, so this is why you need technology solutions. So that's why you know that's why social sense exists. Is that I can let me if I came to you, if a company came to us and said, hey, you know what, we care about um, stages of life because when people get married. 
they buy homeowners insurance. Um, okay, great, we know that. So let's now find out where people are engaging around getting married. Oh, here's 12 different locations across the web that we're starting to see endemics around people getting married. Knit that audience together, now I can inform my media buy. So those things are really valuable. And then finally plugging into your customers are ultimately going to tell you on a trend basis the things they want out of you from a product and service standpoint. It isn't the fact that one person is saying, I want this on, the, on this product, I want this on this product, because otherwise you're going to get attached to a fad. If you really want to attach to a trend, let's make sure there's enough of an audience that cares about the things that people are saying they want, then we can go and we can actually attach to it. That, to me, is the true ROI of social data. The old world was about it taking months and months to get insight into businesses. Now we're talking about seconds to get insight into businesses. 80% of our time used to be spent on gathering data, 20% in insights. We want to see it where 20% of your time is spent on gathering data and 80% of it is on coming up with the insight. And it really is becoming almost, you know, an, an immediate actionable analytic that, you know, it's not about waiting for a report anymore or even monitoring things. It is, it is actually actionable on a regular real-time basis, right? That's absolutely right. I mean, and that's it, right? So that's the, and that to me is the, the DNA shift that has to happen within agencies and also within brands. Most, uh, you know, most brands and agencies are used to annual planning cycles. Um, and, you know, digital, you know, started getting people used to this uh, optimization process. Uh, but now we are, you're right. I mean, getting to closer to real time, your reaction your reaction time has to be faster and faster. And as soon as you set that bar with your customer that you're reacting at a certain pace, you got to keep it up. Hey, whether they're your customers or not, uh, Dan, are there any companies that come to mind right now that you think are doing a particularly good job with, uh, you know, sort of this new way of, of analyzing data immediately and, and, you know, shaping campaigns and offers and maybe even search uh, strategies and, and customer seg, et cetera? Sure. I, I think uh, one of the leaders in the space is, uh, is research in motion. Um, you know, Brian Wallace over there has done a wonderful job at truly integrating social data into many aspects of their business, whether it be uh, informing campaign, whether it be how do we think about a number of people activating the BlackBerry. Um, I think he's done a wonderful job. Um, and I think he is probably at the forefront uh, of where most companies want to get to. Um, I think other companies that are pretty interesting, um, the folks over at, uh, at Gen Air and Whirlpool, um, they've really started integrating um, different types of uh, trends into uh, product innovation and, uh, and also the, um, the actual campaigns themselves, uh, designing and defining them. Um, you know, we have, if I look at, you know, there's a number of companies that are using this solely for monitoring, and I think that's the, as I've mentioned before, the kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, you know, I think some of the I think the agencies are struggling the most with it. To be honest, um, yep. it, it, I think it was it was definitely it was obvious to me when I was I was at AdTech recently, um, and uh, we were part of a, a, a piece there. And confusion is still in the marketplace um, because agencies ha are really struggling with what to do with this massive set of information. Um, and so that's I think is still a it's still being worked out. Um, we're seeing some very cool stuff coming out from. Uh, you know, if you look at the big holding companies, so you know, Stockholm MediaVest is doing a is doing a, a good job, and I think uh, the the folks over at uh, Omnicom are as well. Um, but I think there's still a lot of learning to say. Okay, how what are other ways we can use this data um, that's out there? 
you know, so you know, brand from a brand standpoint, I think Red Bull has done some really cool things. Um, I think uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts has done some really cool things as well. But if I look at those companies that are really trying to integrate it into the entire business, into the entire ecosystem, um, I have to say, you know, the folks over at Research in Motion and also Whirlpool are probably um, some of the best at it today. Um, and then they, um, you know, one of our clients, uh, um, the folks over at Oscar Mayer um, and the Craft, are doing a pretty good job as well. We're going to take a short commercial break right now from Market Edge. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Dan Neely and more of the conversation. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Staying ahead of the curve to deliver the best online marketing solutions you need. That's what the JAR Group is all about. The JAR Group offers a full-service suite of marketing and managing solutions custom-tailored for affiliate search and social media. The JAR Group uses their resources and research to help meet and exceed the revenue expectations of each and every client. Find out how the JAR Group can work for you at thejargroup.com. That's thejargroup.com. The JAR Group, online marketing with measurable results. Mobile Presence, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Dan Neely, the founder and CEO of Networked Insights, talking about social intelligence, analytics, the future, really, of, uh, of research, really, and, and actionable data. Uh, hey, Dan, maybe just, uh, just some really quick comments on, uh, you know, a few topics close to our heart. What's the future for Google? Are they going to continue to dominate in everything that they do? I think they, you know, it, it's clear they're going to continue to, to to have control over what they have um, today. I think you know there's there are definitely some uh, some chinks in the armor with regards to search, um, as far as what's relevant and what's not. Um, you know, if you do searches today for brands, right, more of what's appearing is. Um, uh, it's going to be uh, social data, so I think that I think that they can continue. But if you think about their structures, 
you have to search for something to go find it. Um, I think we have to get to a place where the data is starting to tell us what's important rather than us telling a search engine what we want to go and look for. And so I think that's the, the, the next piece that's going to be out there. Um, and I think that's where they're going to um, experience a little bit of pain uh, because their structure is you tell me what's important, I'll go find it for you. Um, the pace at which data is now being created, I think, causes them some havoc there. And then obviously there's the, you know, just the regulation stuff that's happening. I mean, they're... Their, it looks like their acquisition of AdMob is, uh, is, is not going to happen. Um, so it's the first time people are really saying, you know what, Google, uh, you have a little, little too much, um, and we're going to uh, put some, uh, some roadblocks in the way. How about Facebook? I think Facebook is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting animal, right? It's, um, they're a great destination for um, things to be created. So they've become a great consumer um, utility. Um, it's not so clear how they're doing with regards to um, monetizing all of that information. They've gone after doing it from an advertising standpoint. Um, so I think there, you know, I, I think there's some there's some big opportunities that have been missed there. Um, you know, we we at Network Insights fully believe that the the value is in the data those guys have, and it's less about the value of being able to place advertising. Um, right. And I think that's just not in the DNA today over yep. at uh, Facebook. Um, they're definitely thinking about how do we monetize this massive audience that we've got that continues to grow. Because I think it will continue to grow because, it's, again, it's a great utility. Um, and so that's been proven. But you know, the way they're monetizing, I think, is probably the wrong way. But you know, I, I'm certainly willing to uh, be proven wrong. Hey, are, you've been around the sort of whole research analytics data thing a long time. Uh, are, are companies still sort of organized the wrong way to even capitalize on the new way to look at data? Um, and, and if so, how do you think they should organize? You know? yeah, I, I, that's, that's the exact problem. Um, is it, I like to call it organizational DNA. Um, the organizational DNA today is there is a service organization that exists within my company, right? Which is going to tell me uh, I can then I can then get information from, and that's typically called market research. And so the problem is I'm I'm always outsourcing, um, and it takes takes too long to happen. Everyone should be doing the uh, set of research today, not just those folks uh, which are in the uh, market research or insight group. Um, at least is my is, is my belief. Um, you know, it's uh, one of the one of the guys over at. Um, uh, over PNG came out with this uh, the word marketing technologist, and I think that's the type <laughs> of person that we should be should be hiring. Right? It should be marketing technology and anthropology combined into a single individual. Hiring those people is what's going to make us super effective because one, they can understand the uh, what's happening from a marketing standpoint. They can get into data really easily and understand the consumer. They can even build small tools on their own, whether it's in you know um, Excel, whether it's in uh, programming language. They understand technology. And then they ultimately understand the consumer at such a deep level uh, that they can knit all of it together. Um, that, to me, is the problem. It's a where organizations are not structured to be able to do uh, to you know be able to take advantage of uh, of data in a uh, in a real way. Um, just to go, just uh, from a selfish point of view, you know, I'm working on a a giant book. Probably won't be out till early next year. Um, that's trying to look at the impact of social media and social media data beyond just marketing and how it's affecting recruitment and HR and employees and new product development and customer service. Um, what's your, at least, you know, your, your top-line view of the impact that social data can have on more than just marketing? Well, I think it, it, 
you you hit the uh, it's perfect right. So I look at it and I, I see you know product development. I mean the problem in product development has always been engineering doesn't trust marketing and marketing doesn't trust engineering. And so now all of a sudden we're using a the same data set and we're not asking questions. It's just telling us what's important. So we're not biasing the uh, the information in any way. These groups can now work together uh, in unison rather than being separate organizations doing their own sets of research. That's kind of cool. Um, and that's how you use social data. And so we now can start looking at instead of having, you know, there's many companies that have launched private communities to try and ask people questions. Well, we don't need to do that anymore. We can actually do, you know, uh, um, just our, uh, product development across the web by just learning from these various places and saying, okay, what is what are the important trends to these people? What are the important things that they uh, they ultimately want to uh, look at? Um, in human resources, the cool thing there is, you know, quality of people. If I can look at the trends to say, okay, in the tech in the tech space, what are the emerging categories of interest with people and with even in the B two B space with uh, with with businesses? That's going to tell me the type of people I should be hiring. Right, and there's going to be a big run on, you know, it's going to be a run on the bank with regards to this specific skill set. Well, that informs me and gets me ahead of the curve as far as what I should be thinking about hiring. Um, it shouldn't be, inf- it should be informing what we're doing from a, uh, you know, plug back into marketing and say what we're doing from a media buying standpoint. Really important. Ultimately, if it can tell me, um, so let's say, you know, let's say, take it across any social data, both public data and maybe private data. If we take the example of Salesforce.com and then you chat a product, imagine if I was able to actually look at the trends across the uh, social um, their social data in Chatter, and all of a sudden the CFA, CFO is able to see that you know most of the conversations about are about bill, billings. And now all of a sudden I actually see that oh you know what there's going to be a problem with billings, and that's going to be able to predict what my you know how long my payables are going to be outstanding, or how how long my receivables are going to be outstanding. That's kind of a cool thing because now I can see it in aggregate and I can see it in real time rather than have to see it at the end of the month. So there's so many things that can be affected by this massive amount of conversational data and interaction that's taking place that all aspects of business are going to be changed by it. The same way that all aspects of business were changed when we had, you know, the web was the web was created, lots of data was created. Google came out and had a way for me to actually search across it. Now all of a sudden we have social data being created in the organization, outside the organization, in private places, in public places. We need a way to make sense of it because it's highly unstructured, and so we need to be able to um, use that in our businesses um, in real time. Hey, you know, there seems to be a lot of, um, you know, trouble accessing sort of private social networking data. You think that's just a temporary hiccup? Are we going to be able to analyze, you know, uh, you know, the the private side of this too? Well, so we, to, to some extent, we already do, we already do that as a company, right? Okay. So we have relationships with people like uh, Jive Software, uh, as one example, where yeah. they have private information inside communities they built for, you know, uh, people like Intel. And so we're able to, you know, we we, pro, we analyze that data, but Intel is the only company that gets to see it. I right. think the, you know, I think what's going to happen is people are going to, consumers are going to get more and more comfortable with their data being used in aggregate. Um, they're going to have less of an issue. Uh, sorry, they'll have more of an issue if it was, hey, we know this about you, versus in aggregate. If I was to take the private information of these million people, here are the 15 things that are important to them. That is less invasive, and arguably it's, it, it has value to it um, than the individual uh, set of information, which then starts to feel like uh, Big Brother. Right. 
think you're going to have shades of gray. You're going to have shades of gray there, right? So you and I may share our personal information with each other. Then someone else, you know, another vendor over there is, wants to talk to us. Well, we'll let them know a little bit. We're not going to let them know everything. And then someone even further away from that vendor, which is, you know, maybe a, um, another provider or a friend of that person, well, they get even less. And so I think there's going to be this personal control of my data that says who gets access to what. If you had to put your, uh, you know, the, the, your, your proverbial, you know, crystal ball on the table right now, Dan, how do you see the next five years really looking uh, from an analytics industry point of view? Are there going to be, you know, newer, bigger brands? Is, is you know, companies like Network Insights going to, we hope, keep getting bigger and bigger? Are, are the holding companies that own old-line research companies not going to be able to move fast enough? Uh, is Nielsen going to continue to innovate even though it's so big? Uh, what's the landscape going to look like, uh, you know, three, four, five years from now? And what are they going to be doing for companies? Sure. I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the old model is broken. I think everyone has recognized that, and, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, it's declining pretty, in a pretty, a pretty significant rate. So the old world of research, which was delivering reports, um, is going to continue to decline. We're going to see technologies like Networked Insights um, continue to grow, um, but the thing that's going to make them grow at such a rapid pace is the adoption to the organization and across the organization, not just into a specific user. Um, I think we're going to see companies that, you know, analytics is a, da- is a dangerous word because everyone can say they do it. It, the secret here is analytics not only across unstructured data, but highly unstructured data, right? So this is stuff with emoticons in it. It's stuff with uh, HTML in it. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to say, okay, let's take this highly unstructured data. We've got analytics on top of it. Now let's start plugging it back into other aspects of the business so that I can now start attaching it ultimately to shareholder value. Um, and if I can do that, then there's going to be you know, uh, massive amounts of uh, success. It's ultimately how do we take this and say, okay, I, I can make sense of it in an easy way, and I can act upon it in an easy way. That's the that's the secret that's uh, that's missing today. Um, there's going to be, in my opinion, there's going to be met less outsourcing of uh, of kind of the how do we use information and data within businesses uh, and more insourcing. So then that leads to, okay, the big, if you look at the big holding companies and the research uh, functions they've got inside their organizations, they're either going to have to, one, retool them, um, or two, jettison them, uh, because they're ultimately going to be, uh, be dying businesses. You know, the cool thing about this space now and, you know, the technologies, so like networked insights, um, is it's at, it, it can add, you know, 15 to 20 points to the bottom line of any of these current research businesses that are out there, because the pace at which things can happen. Um, and people feel really comfortable about that. So I think you may see some things that happen uh, with the big holding companies uh, to that regard. Hey, one last, uh, we're starting to run out of time, but, you know, a lot of people have approached me about that, you know, social media itself isn't going to really completely take off, which I disagree. I think it's already completely taken off. But anyway, until we have something more akin to CPMs, like um, maybe a cost per engagement or something like that, I'm not so sure about that. What are your thoughts on a specific measurement? Should we even be trying to copy the, the broadcast industry? I think that's a, that you, you've, you've, the, the problem is that you know, you've got people that are using old-world um, approaches to this new conversational web. 
And so trying to have that type of metric, I think, is just we're, we're fooling ourselves. I think we're, gonna, I think we're actually going to go backwards in that we're going to actually get back to true business um, and economic values rather than let's try and attach to a specific thing. The reason those metrics, metrics exist is because that's how people get paid. It's not how people get value out of this, right? So those right. metrics exist so that ad agencies, ad networks, uh, brands can say, okay, how are we going to – sorry, publishers, how are we ultimately going to get paid for this stuff? And so I think it, we're going to get back to, you know, what are the brand values and did we deliver on the brand values? What are the things – how do we relate this all the way back to shareholder value such that if I'm a company that is responsible for selling X number of uh, this product – did we sell it? What happened as a result of it? And how much of that can we now attach back into social? And so we're going to get away from this kind of fuzz, these fuzzy structures. So it goes back to your, your, the question you just asked me with regards to how does the analytics industry change it? We have to connect back to um, those things that are tra- we're transacting upon so that we can actually start connecting this stuff together. I, I think we get to a place So um, the cost per engagement, I think, is, is, is interesting. Um, because you know, hey, now I'm on your behalf. I'm, uh, or you're doing it yourself, placing things within the social, uh, social meme. And okay, what value does that have? Um, we can look at that. We could also look at, you know, what um, I know how many people are consuming this piece of information. I know how many of those are ultimately going to either take it somewhere else and never, tr- never buy from me, but will influence other people. Well, they have a value to me. They've never bought anything from me, but they have a big value to me. Well, how do we – you've now got two things that were uh, that are opposed to each other, people that transact and people that do not. But those that do not still have value. So let's make sure that we can plug that in to say, okay, this has shareholder value as well. Um, and how do we connect the two together? Dan Neely, founder and CEO of Network Insights uh, and quite a pioneer and thought leader in social intelligence and the future of analytics. Thanks for being on Market Edge today. Larry, thanks for having me. It's been great. And thanks, everyone, in the audience for listening to today's conversation. Visit webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune in to the new episodes of Market Edge. This is Larry Weber. Bye-bye.